1: The Tampa Bay Rays are one win away from their second trip ever to the World Series. They did it by catching everything the Houston Astros hit and taking advantage of another Jose Altuve bad throw. The Rays win 5-2. to two. Outstanding game-saving plays in the field by Kevin Kiermaier. When he was hit by a pitch, eventually came out of the game, Hunter Renfro went into right field and made two sliding catches of his own, including one with the bases loaded. Tonight... They could win the American League pennant. It will be Tyler Glasnow on the mound for the Rays against Zach Greinke. Man, what an exciting uh, series so far. The Rays up 3-0 in that one. And remember a few days ago when Dan Mullen, the Gators coach, said he'd like to see 95000 at the Swamp for Saturday's game against LSU? Well, they may not play at all. The Gators have 19 cases of COVID-19, and they have shut down all their football operations for the time being. And the Bucks were back on the practice field Tuesday to begin preparations for their game against the Green Bay Packers. Vita Vea is out for the season, but Jason Pierre-Paul insists there will be no drop-off. We'll tell you why. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports State Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, Lightning fans, don't miss out on a chance to save $10 on the best gift you can get yourself or the Bolts fan on your list. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup Championship book. This 160-page hardcover keepsake entitled Thunderstruck is filled with stories and photos from the Tampa Bay Times writers and photographers. You can relive the magical moments throughout the playoffs and the championship, and you'll feel the chills, thrills, and spills from the entire season every time you look through this book. Go to BoltsBook.com now and place your order. Now, retail cost of this book is 39 Ninety five, But if you order now, you can save $10. That's twenty nine ninety five plus shipping and handling in the U.S. The books will ship by December 4th. Now, this offer expires November 24th. So go to BoltsBook.com to order now. All right, Steve, uh, another outstanding baseball game. And I'm telling you, I, I've watched a lot of baseball. Okay, that was my thing. That was your thing. Um, seen a lot of games, played a lot of games. It's all we did year-round, especially here in Florida. Winter League, you name it. And you know watching major leagues was was what you did as well growing up here because of the spring training you followed these guys everywhere. But I'm telling you I have not seen for something you know that means as much as as the you know the American League Championship Series. I don't think I've seen three games where a team made that many unbelievable, you know, just great game-saving plays with their gloves. This Tampa Bay Rays team, in addition to being positioned very well and we know about all the analytics and things like that, um, but every one of these players seems to come up with with clutch plays and if you're the Houston Astros right now, there's just not much you can do. Um, you know they have hit they've hit balls that that um, you know should have gotten in there, balls that may have gotten over the fence at times and Kevin kiermeyer has been unbelievable, and Hunter Renpro came in and made some catches. I just I mean this baseball team is so very very good and on the other side if you're Jose Altuve and you've made three errors it's led to about 8 raised runs I think they have taken advantage of everything that the Houston Astros and especially Altuve has given them
0: well that's what good teams do and we talked about this the other night is you know the Astros giving them extra outs and the Rays have taken advantage of it and you know Jose Altuve the other night with the two errors tonight he has the error that then leads to a five run inning for the Rays, um, you know, and even even later in the game he kind of flipped a ball to, to to Correa on a play and, and you could see he wanted to underhand it because he was afraid to overhand it, it almost looked like, mm-hmm. um, you know he's he's you know joked beforehand but it's you know Jose Knoblock um, playing yeah. second base there
1: Steve Sachs, Mackie yeah. Sasser all those guys yeah uh,
0: but you know the Rays are taking advantage of it uh, you know you talked about the Astros are doing a lot of things well. So take out the four home runs in this series. They've had 27 hard hit balls, which means 95 miles an hour or more exit velocity. They have eight hits on those. You know, normally That's 95 incredible. plus mile an hour exit velocity gets a hit. I mean, you know, you should get more than eight out of 27. But credit the Rays for not only the way they're playing defense, but the way they position themselves defensively. Um, you know, they. It, it's. I follow a lot of baseball beat writers on Twitter. Um, you know, not just you know the Rays and, and that, but around baseball, and it it was funny, you know, tonight in this series watching, because a lot of them now the eyes are on the Rays and and the Astros and and that, and just their amazement at how well the Rays not only play defense but position and use their pitching and and you know baseball Twitter is just like you know holy cow this is you know no wonder why the Yankees and other teams don't win they don't they don't get the game the way the Rays do and and you know the Rays are you know it feels like miles ahead of a lot of other teams as far as the way they the, the little things they do you know yeah they don't have the lineup that the astros have or the yankees have or the dodgers or the braves if if the race do get to the world series they're going to see the next round they don't have those kind of lineups but the pieces they have and the way they put them together and the way they use them and interchange them and and match up and position it's it's incredible and and you know, the baseball world, you know, not that they always kind of knew it because you read about it and see it, you know, you see the highlights. But when you watch when you're watching the games as closely as they are, they're really getting a feel for how good they are. And we kind of forget that sometimes because we see it every day.
1: Right. And I think, the you know, the nation, obviously, baseball in general are watching these games and they are seeing the Rays every day. And you do take for granted, I will say, as, as great as they are. And I guess we, you become a little numb to it after a while. There has been an inordinate amount of of, of outstanding plays, and you know, the magnitude mm-hmm. of it all adds to that. Obviously, I mean, if it's some game, you know, in in the middle of June, um, you know, you, you're not as you're not as hyped up one way or the other. But for what it means to take a three-zero lead, um, that's that's about as locked down, by the way, as you can be. There's been 38 teams that have taken three-zero mm-hmm. leads in Major League Baseball's best-of-seven series. 37 of them have gone on to win only the 2004 Red Sox in the ALCS against the Yankees. Have they were down to the final inning, lead.
0: too, in that one.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, they, right. They,
0: were, they were three games and eight innings down in that one, mm-hmm. and they came back to win that series.
1: And once again, uh, as you mentioned, it was Jose Altuve, um, you know, with an error on, on a, at least a force out at second base, probably could have maybe even had a double play. But um, they scored all five runs in the sixth inning. And it it just the floodgates open, and you know this baseball team puts an incredible amount of, of pressure on you, and and they have they have you know they produce in the clutch. Whereas, you know, it's not as if the Astros haven't hit the ball hard because they've they've had men on base and they've hit screamers, and you thought that at some point that might end. It hasn't yet, um, and you know, you just you just marvel at at a baseball team that is, you know so confident and, and pick each other up. Mark Tompkin uh, wrote a story, uh, or at least a post in Tampa com just about, just about that, just about the feeling that these guys have going out there and playing for each other. They use a lot of players. They use their entire bench, obviously, and, and they, they substitute liberally and they change lineups all the time based on matchups. And everybody has checked their ego at the door, or this doesn't work. And Kevin Cash is the guy that has to make that sell, right? it's one thing for the organization this is what we're about and all that but cash is the guy that has to has to sell that to his ball club and and get everyone involved over there and he has and you know if he's not manager of the year i don't know when they took the vote um but for them to go out and go you know 40 and 20 with all that was going on with covid with you mm-hmm. know the, the the restart all of that uh and then and then to do what they've done and what i think will result in at least you know, an American League pennant. Um, I, I just don't know you could possibly squeeze, you know, any more out of this team except perhaps a World Series championship. And, oh, by the way, have you checked out the National League Championship Series where the Los Angeles Dodgers were arguably, may still mm-hmm. be, the best team in baseball? Um, just look at the back of their baseball cards, as they say. And yet the Atlanta Braves are up 2 to nothing in that series.
0: Well, and Clayton Kershaw scratched for back spasms today. Uh, Will not pitch Game Three. He may not pitch in this series if it ends quick. I mean, uh, Dave Roberts seemed to think he would pitch in this series, but he's not going to pitch Game Three. So if he doesn't pitch Game Four, that series could be over. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Braves, although the Dodgers made a heck of a comeback in the ninth inning uh, to make it interesting,
1: they did Tuesday night, eight seven, that game ended up. But but
0: the Braves are a good young team too. But getting back to Kevin Cash and manager of the year, I I don't think he's going to win it. Although he should, and, and the vote takes place after the regular season, not with the postseason. I think Rick Renteria from the White Sox will end up winning it because no one wow. expected them to do as well as they did. And, and the, he got the fired. Rays had won, not yeah, and he gets fired. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, you know, Kevin Cash deserves it, and he Kevin Cash may win it, but I think you know, it, for for you know, the writers that don't see teams, and especially this year, you didn't cross over divisions and stuff, so the people voting most likely only saw teams in their part of the country. And so you're going to go. Oh, the White Sox weren't expected to do that well. Rick Renteria deserves Manager of the Year, and 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 he did a good job. Yeah. And and you know the reasons he was fired was for some of the way he used his bullpen in the postseason and down the stretch. But um, you know the, Kevin Cash. I mean, you know we've said it before, but you know who would have thought that Kevin Cash would have outlasted Joe Madden in Chicago? And Kevin mm-hmm. Cash now is one win away from going to the World Series with this team. That you know uh, he, he's
1: yeah he, he arguably could become the most successful manager in race history and that's a high bar when you consider who mm-hmm. he replaced and you know joe madden may well go to the hall of fame one day i mean I don't, I don't think that's an exaggeration but but to not only replace him but then to um you know to equal him and possibly and possibly you know be the one to to win a world series here uh it, it's just it, and, and you know what a story right a local guy that Played for Citrus Park Little League. I mean, you know, there's uh, there's everything you could hope for in that in that story. So, um, you know, that one that one was good. Getting getting back to the game itself, um, you know, they're very fortunate in a couple things that that occurred on Tuesday night. One is that Kevin Kiermaier didn't get mm-hmm. seriously injured. Um, the the hit by pitch, you know, right on the wrist or the hand area, uh, could easily have have resulted in a broken bone. Uh, even a slight fracture would have knocked him out, not only for this series, but for the World Series. And that might have been uh, a little too much to overcome. You know, Kiermaier, what I was thinking when that when that at-bat was over was that might be the last at-bat we ever see in a raised uniform for Kevin Kiermaier. There, there's no guarantee that he's back here next season. Um, they've got a bunch of young outfielders. You know, I, I don't know what his salary situation is he, he it's you know, like eight
0: he, eight million in that range ballpark it's somewhere around yeah. that i mean
1: and the rays are always prone to you know to try to trade guys a year before maybe their their usefulness is is done but i mean and, and it all remains to be seen but that would have been a tragic way you know if, if in fact that that were to transpire you you can't imagine them going to a world series and and the longest tenured ray that's on this team now not being able to participate that would be a that would be a huge blow so very fortunate um, that, that he was not uh, hurt, x-rays were negative, he, not that he's going to feel great, and it's hard to grip a bat. I mean, all those things, anytime you hurt your hand, your wrist, um, that has an impact on you, believe me. I've done it, um, not to that extent at this level, but uh, it's hard to swing a bat sometimes when uh, when you have those injuries. But then you have a guy like Hunter Renfro, who, you know, to come off the bench, as essentially, you know, when they started moving guys around because mm-hmm. of Kiermaier as a uh, you know, pinch hitter and then a defensive replacement. And you were saying this before we came on the podcast. This guy's been a great outfielder for a lot of years. And, and, and maybe Rays fans just got a, a good look at it. Um, but he was a Gold Glove finalist before. Mm-hmm. And the two plays he makes, especially with the bases loaded, um, saved the game. There's no other way to say it. I mean, he, he saved the game with those two plays
0: yeah so last year and I've seen some different stats, but he was he had 23 defensive runs saved last year, which was second among outfielders in baseball. I mean people wow. forget that he's got wow. a good arm um, you know mm-hmm. as well as can, can make the catches, but um, yeah he was a gold glove finalist and, and you know one other stat from you know saying how the Astros are doing things well, but the Rays are matching them and, and especially defensively, the Astros have four hits with runners in scoring position in this series with no runs accounted that's crazy you know they it's you know the runners held a third Jose Altuve did it tonight when Renfro made one of those catches and
1: you know what that was a base running mistake too Jose Altuve will go back and and, and Houston fans will look at this and they'll say that that arguably might have been and he's got a couple of home runs okay mm-hmm. but that might arguably be the the most brutal series a player has had in in many many years you know when Renfro comes in, and, of course, he kept his eyes on the runner, but when he comes in and makes a sliding catch with the bases loaded, mm-hmm. um, you have, first of all, he's halfway down the line. Where are you going? If, if, if he doesn't make the yep. catch, you're going to walk home. The yep. ball's going to get by him. It's going to be trapped on the ground. You only got to advance 90 feet. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to do that. He goes halfway, then runs back to third base, and then doesn't tag and, and, and challenge Renfro, who is sliding on the grass – well, he be wasn't first. back in time I mean, gonna, to challenge
0: him. I mean, he didn't get back that's quick. That's why. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's why. When the ball goes in the air, I mean, all I know is what I know about baseball, mm-hmm. because I was taught by my by my dad, and he was a very good manager. But it should be almost instinctual after a while. If you're on third base with less than two out, when the ball is in the air, it doesn't matter if it's a line drive, a high fly, a pop up, a bleeder, whatever. You know, you're going back to third base on contact if the ball's in the air because you're going to tag up. Like I said, if, there, if the play can't be made, you're walking home. And for him to get caught off in between land and not be able to tag because he, he was, you know, cheating towards home on the ball once the ball was struck, is just that's just not having your head in the game.
0: Well, apparently the trash cans weren't signaling him to go back, so he didn't know what to do. <laughs> but something, or man. he didn't have the buzzer Seriously, is, sure.
1: I mean, if, if there's a poster guy for that whole thing, right, there's probably several. I mean, you know, there's more than one player. But Altuve, as much as any player, Altuve has worn that. And he's worn it because during the 60-game regular season, he hit about 215. Mm-hmm. Okay? He had about as bad a year as you could. I mean, the disparity um, was already there, home and away. We saw all of that with the, with the Astros, with, with a lot of their hitters, especially Altuve. And then, you know, without the garbage cans or the use of whatever they were doing to steal signs, he goes out in a year where he's lucky there were no fans in most ballparks or any ballparks, and, and he hits, he bets, uh, you know, 215. Now, he's having, like, like I said, he's had a couple home runs in this series, um, you know, and good for him. But overall, between the defense, between that base running mistake, um, and and the amount of times that, you know, his jaw has dropped that the cameras seem to be focused on him on TBS – This has got to be one of the, like, this is, this is his nightmare, right? This is everything that he will never want to remember in baseball.
0: Well, the, uh, the front page of the Houston Chronicle sports section has the picture of him at second, just looking, you know, like lost. He's got his hat and glove in one hand, the hands on his hips. And it's titled field of screams, which pretty much sums up the series for Jose Altuve so far.
1: It's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, Pitching-wise, again, you know, you, you got to give some credit to Yarbs, man. He, he did exactly <laughs> what
0: you needed him to do. As your fourth starter, he gave you exactly what you needed him to do. He got you through five-plus innings, gave up that, that home run. I, I questioned whether he should have went back out for that against Brantley, mostly because he was sitting on the bench for a half an hour while the Rays scored five runs. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it, he was near the end of his outing. He was probably only facing one batter. I questioned whether they should have let him go out there for that. But, you know, he did give up the home run, but it worked out in the end. But And I know there, it was all about the matchups, lefty, righty, and all that. But, but beyond that, I mean, Yarbs did exactly what you wanted him to do. He kept you in the game. That's what the Rays pitchers have done all series. I mean, the Astros are getting hits. It's not like – Oh, yeah, they are. You know, I mean, the Rays are, are preventing a lot of – with their defense. But the Astros are getting hits. They're, but the Rays pitchers – are getting out of jams. Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Ryan Yarbrough, Diego Castillo tonight got himself in a jam and got out of it. Uh, Aaron Loop got out of a jam tonight. I mean, you know, their, their pitchers are doing just enough. And, and, and if Astros are scoring, it's one run. They're not putting crooked numbers up when they get in jams if they get a run out of it. And, you know, the, the race pitchers are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. You got exactly what you needed out of Ryan Yarbrough, and you turn over the bullpen, which has been magnificent in this series.
1: The Astros have beaten the Rays in every place except the scoreboard. Every single place they've mm-hmm. out hit them. They've certainly had three starting pitching gems. If you ask me, um, they've out them, but they they have not been able to deliver. And and in large part, not because that they're not getting hits or hitting the ball hard or you know uh, getting good at bats with runners in scoring position. The Rays are just catching everything, including some balls that they probably shouldn't get to. And that has been the difference, and that is what the Rays are about, pitching and defense. But they also have jumped on every mistake, most of those by Jose Altuve, um, and even taking advantage of the hit-by-pitches and things like that. The bullpen has been solid, more than solid. I mean, you know, this was a night when, you know, Kevin Cash was trying to give as many guys the day off as he could down there. I, you know... You bring in Aaron Loop, you get uh, Diego Castillo. I mean, this guy has been the hero, as it turns out, on the back end of their bullpen of, of the entire playoffs. Of course, closing out the Yankees um, earlier in this series. You know, he, he got the, the the save, does it again, you know, on Tuesday night. Um, striking out Altuve gets a fly out with, with runners in scoring position uh, to Michael Brantley and ends the game. And um, it, it, just, it just has you know there are there are years and i think the astros were this way a couple of years ago i really do where it just seems like it's their year right it just seems like everything they do um is is magical almost you can't explain it um we know they're a good baseball team but things just seem to be happening for, for them uh and so i mean look they're going to get four shots to win one game and you know or three yeah mm-hmm. yeah well four shots to win one game and uh, only one other team has ever come back from this, this lead. So, I mean, I think, I think they're going to go, I think this will be the Mm -hmm. second world series and it's, it's an incredible, and isn't it, I'm sorry, I have to say this, but Mm -hmm. isn't it the most Tampa thing ever? (laughs) We can't have nice things. things. I mean, really, can you imagine? I mean, I remember what it was like in 2008. I mean, I took my son, um, you know, to, to the world series and the Phillies in town and, it was so electric. It was it was incredible, and you know you just feel for the fans. I mean, we already went through it. You know, if you're if you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, you know you had to sit mm-hmm. there and um, and watch from afar. Now, when they got back, I think they made up for it with the party and the boat parade. Uh, and they're still they're still you know delivering the cup all over town. I saw it was at Tampa Jesuit the other day. Uh, so Stanley's getting around, but it's there's, it's still. I mean, we look. We can cry about 2020. There's a lot worse things that are going on in this world than than uh, you know the sports fans not being able to enjoy uh, some good performances. But of all the years, right to to have the potential of a Stanley Cup champion, a team in the World Series, we'll get to the Bucks later. This just it, it's it's something always something always happens, man. It just you can't explain it. But mm-hmm. um, but what entertainment? To take your mind off of all of that if you're if you're a Rays fan or a, or a Lightning fan or both. Yeah. A couple more stats and, um, for tonight's
0: game, by the way. I wanted to So mm-hmm. Manuel sure. Margot does a sack bunt. First time all year the Rays have tried a sack bunt. Which, you know, the Rays are very opposed to sack bunting, but they you know, I don't know if he was told to or did it on his own, but that's the first mm-hmm. sacrifice bunt in the postseason since the two thousand eight World Series.
1: See, and I don't, I don't particularly get. I know baseball has changed, and you know, good for baseball. And they got the, they got the analytics to show you why you should mm-hmm. never sack bunt. I suppose.
0: Well, it's all about the, still, the outs more important than one base because the outs more important because than most of these runners. hits are hit hard and you're you're getting two bases at a time. So give yeah, up an out and for, I you
1: know. I I get all that, but you still should be able to execute a baseball play. Right, even uh-huh. if you don't do it very much, you should st- it should still be in your tool bag, you know um and I, th- I thought it was a good time to do it. It wasn't well executed in fact um you know he's kind of stood there and watched the ball a little bit that got popped up. I Otherwise, think he thought it catcher's... popped up over
0: his head, maybe you know maybe backward yeah, he I don't couldn't know he... find it he yeah. stood
1: but he stood in the box and he has a right to do that, yep, and then when he started to run late, essentially he, he tripped the catcher yep. Um, but there's no interference because he did not, you know, he did not do anything. He was running out of the down ordinary. the baseline.
0: Yeah, he's running down the baseline. It, it was, yeah, it was less. So. It was, you know, if you remember back to the '75 World Series and uh, Ed Armbrister and Carlton Fisk got tangled up, and there was a, exactly. that was a big controversial call. And I had to go. I went back and watched mm-hmm. it because I, I, I I've seen that before, but um, that mm-hmm. one was a little more possibly interference because mm-hmm. Ed kind of went into the into the field of play, didn't kind of go straight up the line and hesitated in that. But Margot was just mm-hmm. going straight up the line. Yeah, he he hesitated, but that's your right to do that. And then he went straight up the line and they got tangled up. So there was no interference there. Right. And then the other stat, Joey Wendell, this season, 0 for 22 when he puts a ball in play on an 0-2 count or strike, you know, it doesn't foul off a pitch. Gets the two out. Or two run, what double? To take the lead in the game, two to one on an O two pitch, hadn't hadn't hit one all year with an O two count, and gets it tonight. So just well, of course he did. Yeah, because that's yeah. that's the raise that's the raise way, man.
1: <laughs> I mean, everything's everything's coming up roses for them. I mean, it just that's just the way it is, and you know, again, I'm watching these catches, you know, replay of, of Hunter Ripo the 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 faces of the Houston Astros are priceless, I mean you know and and what can you do? I mean, you know, as Joe Madden used to say, we're producers, not directors i mean once you when you you know you you stay true to the process and once you hit the ball, you can't determine where it goes, but mm-hmm. I'll be damned if that doesn't if that doesn't feel awful when um when you have nothing to show for you know some of the good at bats that they've had with runners in scoring position um one more game, man, one more game, and the Tampa Bay Rays. Are in the World Series? Just a couple weeks, or even has it even been a week since they hoisted the Stanley Cup? Uh, I don't even the know.
0: party was two weeks ago to, tonight. So it's just over okay. two weeks ago they won the cup.
1: And that will never, that will well, that probably will never occur again unless there's something weird. Because obviously, hockey season doesn't go until October, right? Most years. Um, so you've got all of this sort of happening at once. And it, it could just be an incredible yeah. couple so the, of months.
0: So the Lightning won the cup on September twenty eighth. The game seven of the World Series would be October twenty eighth. Perfect. So, you know, within a month the two the two trophies will be awarded. Now we know the Lightning won the cup, we don't know who's going to win the World Series yet.
1: Right. Right. And this is like this is a hard you know, again, people are gonna be talking about, well, you know, sixty game season, uh put an asterisk by that one. Okay. Playing seven games potentially in seven days or whatever the series goes to, mm-hmm. I mean, is not any, I know there's not the travel days in between and, and that, you know, the wear and tear is certainly involved with that, but um, this is a grind too. And you have to manage accordingly. Like you can't, you can't just run guys out there, you know, every time somebody gets into trouble because you have no days off. And, and so that, that mm-hmm. obviously puts an extra amount of burden on your manager manager. So Nothing's easy about this. If they win, and you know, uh going into a playoff bubble, so to speak, and then playing in San Diego, and then they ultimately, um I guess they would move to what Texas to play the World Series.
0: Yeah, it'll be played in Arlington, and there will be some fans in the stands, as there has been in the mm-hmm. National League Championship Series. But you know, I'll go back right. to, you know, every team is under the same circumstances here. So there's, to me, there's no ash. I mean, is it different? Sure. But the Rays won 97 mm-hmm. games last year, won the wild card, and w- took the Astros to Game Five of the ALDS, you know, in a five-game series. This is not like this is a fluke team. I mean, they won 90 the year before, so you know, if, if someone wants to sit there and say, you know, it doesn't, it's whatever. This is a this is a good team and has been for several seasons. You know, the, I mean, if if they win the World Series, they'll deserve it, and just like if if the Dodgers do or the Braves do. I mean, you know, these are all good teams. They were good teams last year too. It wasn't like, you know, they just put together sixty good games and on a fluke. And and, and I don't think you could do sixty anyway. But but with the extra teams, it wasn't like these are the teams that you know were sitting at five hundred. The Astros are the, the the team that, if you look at the record during the sixty game schedule, shouldn't be here. Um, you know, they were what right around five hundred, I believe, maybe even below five hundred for the season. Uh, but you get in because of you know the eight teams. So. But if the Rays win it, I mean they deserve it, and it's it, You know, there's no asterisks or anything by it. It's, you know, I mean, this was a 60 games in 66 days, and then when you're playing the postseason, it's five straight games in the division series, it's seven straight games in the championship series. That's not easy, that and you know, to me, that's harder than the regular time.
1: Well, as far as the Rays go, a lot of people picked them <clears throat> to win the World Series, mm-hmm. as you recall. Uh-huh. Nationally as well. I mean, this so so if if everybody wants to back up their predictions, I saw the Rays on on top. You know, uh, picked to go to the World Series by by a lot of national baseball writers and um, you know some podcast hosts. So I think at the end of the day, they're right where they're supposed to be. But it is it is amazing to watch them and how they're doing it and uh, to see just the uh, the incredible excellence that they they've put out there. They Put out a really good product, and um, it's been fun to watch. are trying to put out a good product. The Bucks were back at practice on Tuesday. Of course, they play the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, who uh, has not thrown an interception. I don't believe he's only been sacked three times. This is a really good Packers team. They've gotten seventeen and three um, since since their new coach arrived. Uh, what two years ago? Remember all the talk mm-hmm. in the off season about why they didn't get Aaron Rodgers more weapons, more receivers. All this, um, you know, because they they drafted Jordan Love, and he obviously isn't going to play. Well, Aaron Rodgers is not needing any for anything right now the Packers are playing very very well and you know it's going to be an adjustment for the Bucks obviously defensively because Vita Vea is gone he's out for the rest of the season of course he had the leg fracture we had a chance to talk to uh, you know Devin White on the Zoom call on Tuesday who feels awful because it was really friendly fire uh, and Devin White sort of crashing down on his, on Vita's uh, ankle area or leg, um, that, that caused the fracture. And it was hor- horrifically, uh, you know, it, it looked really bad and, and I'm sure it's going to be a difficult rehab and all of that. Um, but you know, the train rolls on and when you talk to these guys, Jason, Pierre, Paul, we talked to a little bit on Tuesday and then eventually we got to talk to, uh, you know, to, uh, Nacho, uh, Rakim. Nunez Roches, who's going to essentially step in now for Vita Baya and play uh, his role as a starter. And, you know, it's like Pierre Paul says, he, he says, look, no one's going to run against us. They're number one again against the run, and they were last year. And I think this year they're giving up about 57-something yards per game, which is remarkable, uh, the consistency they've had. Now, you know, Nacho uh, has done this before. He came in uh, for Kansas City when they lost Ontario Poe several years ago and and stood up and did a very good job. Now he comes in for Vita Vea on a defense that, uh, as I mentioned, is first against the run with lots of expectations, and he's going to have to play huge. You know, he's not the same guy. They're not going to need, you know, necessarily two blockers to to try to occupy him. I think Sue will will get, you know, most of the double teams, at least inside, Um, but by the same token, they have lots of confidence in him, and he has worked hard, Uh, to get this job uh, and be prepared for it and I I think you know uh, it's going to be I think it's going to be a competitive game on Sunday I think these guys you know sort of looked at that Thursday night game they've all said it they should have won the game they were they felt like they were a better team than Chicago they gave it away with penalties and mistakes and and poor execution and maybe a bad call here or there Um, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like a team that's going to tumble to me you know and Look, they may not beat the Packers. The Packers may turn out being the best team in the NFC. Um, But I think they're going to give them everything they need and everything they're looking for. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, And, you know, a lot of that will depend on who comes back. And as far as when we went out there Tuesday, it was just sort of a bonus day since they didn't play, you know, over the weekend. Um, You know, some guys weren't doing very much, obviously. But Bruce Arians said that, you know, by Thursday he expects to see – all four of his running backs, um, including Leonard Fournette and you know, Shady McCoy, who did some things on Tuesday, and then also Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, right, and Scotty Miller, so uh, Justin Watson as well, full complement of their receivers, which would be huge. And the biggest thing, and I've talked about this before, it's not so much that you know, you're going to have a player miss a game here or there. You, you want to avoid the catastrophic injury like Vea, like O.J. Howard. D- those... You know, you can't get them back. I mean, it's just, it, it's tragic when you lose good players for the season. But what they've really missed is practice time. And, you know, I don't care what your resume says. You know, yes, everybody can play football. We get that. But for Tom Brady, who had, you know, no preseason, no real off season except throwing sessions against air. Um, you know, he hasn't had an opportunity to go with a healthy Mike Evans and a healthy Chris Godwin really in the same game and so you know scotty miller has been dinged up as well Uh, justin watson obviously so if they could get these guys back and get them back healthy ronald jones is playing at an unbelievable clip the best best of his career he's just coming off the best game i've ever seen him have in the nfl so they would really have something but um you know this is going to be a tough game now i mean this these are these are two really good teams and we saw we didn't talk touch on this but um I think it was after the podcast, of course. The San Diego, Diego, here I go again. The Los Angeles Chargers, I say it every time. Los Angeles Chargers went into New Orleans, and guess what they did? They blew a 17-point lead. (laughs) They allowed a a touchdown before halftime. The most
0: dangerous Uh, lead in football.
1: It really is, man. (laughs) It's like that two-goal lead in hockey in the third period. You just can't protect it. But, yeah, 17-point lead. And, um, you know, give up an easy touchdown at the end of uh, of the first half go into overtime, um, allow a field goal, and then they're unable to to move the ball to get a fourth and ten. And Mike Williams, I think, was stopped a half yard short by uh, Marshawn Lattimore. So this division now is kind of top-heavy. You've got a bunch of teams that are three and two, right? Um, and, you know, the Bucks have to keep pace. You don't want to fall too far behind. Of course, New Orleans has a game at hand, but we're just beginning this gauntlet of games now their national TV game, starting with the Packers at 425 on Sunday. Um, and then, of course, uh, they go to Oakland after that for a Sunday night football game. I mean Vegas, a Monday night Vegas. game. Vegas. Again, Vegas, I keep saying <laughs> Oakland. I got Oakland and San Diego. I'm back in the AFC, baby. Lance Rensel is going to be playing for the Chargers next, <laughs> I promise you. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we got, we got the Las Vegas. i tell you what, man, the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm Johnny Vegas, okay, so you know. Um so we got that game and then then at the New York Giants Monday night and then coming home uh for a Sunday night game against the Saints. What, you know, by the time they get there, uh we'll have a pretty good idea of where uh, where the Bucks stand in the NFC South for sure. Um but it's um you know it's it's going to be a big week for them. They they need to get guys healthy. And I think you know that's sort of the takeaway. I mean, Bruce Arians looked at the five games is what you do when you have a long weekend and you kind of evaluate what's good, what's bad and you know what's bad is the penalties. I mean, what's bad are are, are yes. the top players, like we mentioned the other day.
0: They, I mean, you know, they were in the game with the Bears after making a lot of bad penalties, because the mm-hmm. Bears aren't that great. You can't do that against the Packers, the Saints, no, the Raiders, who just beat the the Chiefs. You know, if you're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna make those you know those kind of penalties and that many of them, you're gonna be in big trouble against those teams. Right. Speaking
1: of the NFL, how'd you like the Tuesday night football product? It's the the first time since the like Bills. World War
0: II or something. I believe it was Tuesday Night Football.
1: Yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah, and how and about I how, this? how about Derrick saw... Henry? How about Derrick Henry just shoving Josh Norman to the side? Yeah, I, I missed
1: it. I saw all the memes. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, now the play what was called, called back Henry for a done? penalty
0: or whatever else. But man, did he just treat Josh Norman like a rag doll?
1: Yeah. Well, you know that's that can happen. Have you ever? I mean, I've had the opportunity to stand next to Derrick Henry, and let me just say that is one huge human being. We were in Tennessee to, um, you know, watch the Bucks practice with the Titans before they played them in a preseason game two years ago. I want to say mm-hmm. it was, uh, and so I'll say it was. Um, and you remember Eddie George, okay? Yes, the erstwhile big Ohio State running back, you know, with all those great years with the Titans and and all of that. Um, Eddie George was there just was there. I don't know what he was doing, but he was at the facility. Okay. And Eddie George was a big running back, mm-hmm. right? Big, physical, tall running back. Derrick Henry walks up there at Eddie George and Eddie George disappeared. Uh, it was, I mean, it was incredible how much bigger Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry is the size of Jason Pierre Paul. It seems, I mean, he is enormous. Mm-hmm. He is tall, uh, physical, thick, um, fast, obviously. So yeah, I you better have, you know. I once asked Ronnie Barber, like, "Hey, how do you in, at your size?" And Ronnie was, you know, listed at five eleven or five ten. He probably probably was more like five nine, but I I was always like, "How do you begin?" Because he would play inside in the slot to take on some of these guys and tackle them, and and Ronnie used to said, "I always have a plan. <laughs> I always know, am I going to go low? Am I going to go high? I am going to spill. I am going to, you know." He always kind of knew how to do it. But you better have a plan before you face Derrick Henry because mm-hmm. that's exactly what he's—he's going to plant you in the ground. That is one huge man.
0: Yeah, I don't. There's not too many running backs I would consider as strong as Derrick Henry. I mean, you know, size. Mm. I mean, the only—the only one I've met in person is not nearly as big as Derrick Henry, but may have been close to strong as Adrian Peterson, who was. Oh yeah. Just, oh for sure. Know, he's not like you said. He's not big, his big size. Strong. I mean, he's freak. He's still big, but his handshake, yeah. by the way, will crush your hand. Um, I when he got to the Vikings. They had they were coaching him on loosening his handshake up because you know he'd meet <laughs> you know season ticket members or client you know sponsors or you know breaking whatever. Fingers. And he, I mean he's breaking hands. I mean it's I, I mean that's that's the hardest handshake I've ever uh, received. I mean it was like it just crushes you, um, and you know and yeah. it was like nothing to him. But
1: yeah, he didn't fumble much. No. Didn't fumble much. It, the uh, I remember, you know, because the the Bucks went through this string of like, you know, we got the wrong guy, kind of just misses, and of course, you know, if ifs and, if, ifs and buts and all of that stuff, right? Um, but they they took Cadillac Williams fifth overall in the draft that Aaron Rodgers was in uh, that when he dropped to whatever twenty four whatever it was to the Green Bay Packers. Alex Smith was in that draft, and the Bucks were picking fifth. And, of course, they needed a quarterback, but, you know, they didn't get him. They took Cadillac Williams, who was a fine player, but, you know, blew out both patella tendons, and that was pretty much it. The next year, Adrian Peterson comes out, okay? And the next year, uh, they – and because they have a running back, they don't need a running back. They got Cadillac Williams. Mm-hmm. So they take Gaines Adams. So they – so not – Obviously, if you take Aaron Rodgers and play him, maybe you don't lose enough games to get back in that area for Adrian Peterson. But I remember in both instances, like, Gruden loved loved Aaron Rodgers. He worked him out at Cal. He brought out Jerry Rice, who was retired, to, to play catch with him, for God's sakes. And they were bragging about that. And then um, I remember sitting down when he was at the NFL owners' meetings, and it was right after the pro days. And he goes, I'll tell you what, man, this – this Adrian Peterson, this guy, he might have had the greatest workout I've ever seen of a football player. I mean, this guy's he's unbelievable. Didn't draft him, mind you. <laughs> Did not draft him. So unbelievable, Adrian we'll Peterson, pass. Thirty five years old, still playing with the Detroit Lions. I don't know why. Maybe he needs the money. There is there is that. But what a career. And um, you know, and to think, <laughs> if only. But you're right. But Derek, Derrick Henry just from an intimidating, like a size standpoint is, uh, he's a load and you know what? Good, good for the Tennessee Titans who went. I mean, they went through, they've been through a bunch now with this COVID, um, you know, guys trying to get together. They didn't get together to break NFL rules. I mean, they're worried about winning. They're trying to win and they were trying to practice and things like this bad idea. Obviously the league is, um, is continuing to upgrade and, and make it even harder with some of these COVID rules and things and guys have to take, take care of each other. But um, you know what, they were ready to play and they beat a pretty good Bills team um, and, you know, the Titans were at AFC in the AFC Championship game a year ago and, you know, you may see them there again. So uh, this is a crazy season. I don't know. At some point, and I think it was uh, somebody on the Bucks said it might have it been um, Tom Brady. And I said, you know, at some point it's going to affect every team because you're either going to have a case yourself or the team you're playing is and it might you know, might change your schedule a little bit. So you're going to have to be flexible and have to deal with that. Or just other teams you you
0: may have to move games because other teams have to move games and to make by weeks work. And, you know, some teams that haven't had cases that have had to move games.
1: Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Like there'll be a daisy chain effect where you, you, you'll be expecting to play one opponent and may have to play a different one, or you might have a bye week that's earlier than you, than you anticipate. It's going to, it's going to screw up a lot of things, but they're just going to try to soldier on and, um, you know, I know Goodell's talked about, you know, the possibility of moving something back. Um, they'll cross that when they get to it, but, uh, but yeah. Speaking of football and COVID, um, this is, this is a scary thing. I mean, I, we've seen it in college football. It's popped up, but uh, you know, the other day, Dan Mullen after losing to Texas A&M, which nice defense skaters, you're going to have to do something about the hundred points in three games. It's never happened before, but um he want you know he, was, he what he was saying was essentially you know there was there was a lot of people at the NM game in in College Station and he mentioned that he thought it would be great if they had 95,000 at the swamp again um to help create that home field advantage and I think everybody just kind of railed on that well that's irresponsible. you know we're in the middle of a pandemic how could you say such a thing and, and all of that um it was more I think a wish out loud right mm-hmm. like kind of like I wish we could go back to 2019 I didn't know how good I had it, right? So, nonetheless, it got a lot of, a lot of play and a lot of headlines. And, of course, wouldn't you know, um, you know, they've got a bunch of uh, players now that have tested positive in that week. That game against LSU is now very much in jeopardy because here we are uh, you know, on, on Wednesday, and they're not able to get together as a football team.
0: Well, we already have one SEC game this week postponed or pushed back to December 12th. It's Vanderbilt, Missouri. Uh, good chance, I would think that Florida LSU does as well. Um, we'll have Matt Baker on tomorrow's podcast. We'll have more on this in the latest. But um, you know what is it? Nineteen people now with the program confirmed cases mm-hmm. in Florida. So um, you know that's doing the the yeah. And I I know that Dan Mullen got a lot of crap for the the comment. And I, yeah, I believe I I agree with you. It was more like a wish thing. Yeah, I wish we had ninety five thousand people there, and wish we could do that. Yeah. And, you know, don't we all wish we, you know, we were at you know Emily Arena for the the Stanley Cup and the trop trop for baseball playoffs and you know football Saturdays at, at the Swamp and, and Tallahassee and Miami and you know I mean we all wish that but um you know you hope that you know they've they've they're taking the proper protocols and can avoid you know nineteen becoming a lot more on that team and and you know causing problems that are going to last you know weeks you know. And, and affect more games and more, more kids and, and staff and that too. So, um, you know, we'll get Matt Baker, will have more tomorrow, but, um, I, I would not expect that game to be played Saturday.
1: Yeah. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like it will be. So anyway, so Matt Baker, and then of course it's, uh, it could be the clinching game for the Tampa Bay Rays game four of the American league championship series will be tonight. And so we'll see how Tyler glass now goes uh, against Zach Greinke See if the Houston Astros can extend that series, or will this be the second trip in franchise history for the Rays? Unbelievable uh, sort of run that they've had this season. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.